Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Let's pray this morning again. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we ask you right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts as we listen to what you have to say to us in your word. Lord, I pray that when we leave here today that we would not be the same as when we came in. God, I just pray you give us revelation, you give us insight, you give us wisdom, you give us peace. Lord, for those of us that need answers from you, I pray that you begin to lead us through your peace. You give us insight. God, those of us that are broken today, God, I pray that you do a work of healing and restoration. God, those of us that feel like we're weak, pray that uh, you were made strong through our weakness. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Like I said earlier, I love coffee. I love it. Uh, most of the time of the year, I drink iced coffee. Uh, I love just a, a big vanilla iced coffee from Starbucks. I've tried, I like iced coffee from different places, but mostly Starbucks, probably because just my palate is used to that. But right now, this time of the year is probably my favorite coffee time. Uh, particularly for two reasons. Uh, number one, it's the Thanksgiving blend at Starbucks is available. They don't brew it a lot in the store, but they have it available to buy and take home, the whole bean. And it's just, for me, it's the perfect uh, blend. It's just, it's not bitter like some of those other Starbucks roasts. We do have a Starbucks barista in the house today, so I don't, don't mean any offense to you. Actually, Elijah, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, anyway. But I love the Thanksgiving blend. It's just the best, uh, in my opinion, the best roast that they do. Then after that is the Christmas blend. Uh, it's probably the next one. But so what I do is I usually buy up several bags during this time of year and ration them out. And I think this last year, from, from last fall, we got at least six months into the year. We rationed out all of our bags, and it was about the middle of the year this last year that we ran out. And so I've been without the Thanksgiving blend for a little while, but we've got it. We're starting to restock in the house, praise the Lord. But the second reason that this is one of my favorite coffee times of the year is because of another drink that Starbucks puts out, and that's the pumpkin spice latte. Now, uh, I hear some of you, you know, praising God with me over that. And I know some of the guys in here are probably wanting to pull my man card. But guys, I, I justify me ordering the pumpkin spice lattes because I order them with half the amount of pumps of flavoring that they normally put in. So it's like, I'm still getting that little bit of that pumpkin spice goodness. Uh, but it's, you know, it's the man version. It's only half the amount of syrup. So anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's my coffee thing. And I will tell you this, this morning, um, I left the house right about six o'clock this morning. My son Noble was with me and we were putting in a mobile order to pick up Starbucks. We're going to just drive through. I he wanted a vanilla iced coffee, even though it was like 35 degrees this morning. I'm like, I'm going with the pumpkin spice. And I go in there and there's no pumpkin spice latte. And I'm like, we're not even to Thanksgiving yet. Thanksgiving's this week. And I can't order pumpkin spice latte. What's the deal with that? And even when I open up my Starbucks app this morning to, to, to do the mobile order, it's got this Christmas, the red and like two different shades of red stripes and the green Starbucks logo in the middle. It's all Christmas. And I went into the store last week and the whole store is already decked out for Christmas, like this barn is already. Thank, can we give a big hand, tap, hand clap to all of our ladies who helped decorate the barn? 
You guys did a wonderful job. Thank you. But it seems like we're skipping right over Thanksgiving and we're going right from Halloween to Christmas. It's like, what's Thanksgiving anymore? So I'll go into Starbucks and everything, the menus are Christmas, the Christmas decorations are out, the Christmas merchandise is out. And I get up to the counter and I'm like, I feel like it's already Christmas time. And I'm like in a time warp. I'm like, we've not even hit Thanksgiving. I said, she's like, what, what can I get you to drink? And I said, can I have a pumpkin spice latte? Are you guys still serving those? And she laughed at me and said, oh yeah, yeah, we're still serving those. It's not up on the menu, but we, you know, we're still serving them. And so I was like really excited about that. But this morning, I was completely bummed. No pumpkin spice lattes. And again, it's like we're jumping straight from Halloween right into the Christmas season. I'm like, where's Thanksgiving? We're forgetting all about Thanksgiving. And I feel like it's becoming an afterthought. I mean, if you guys don't believe me, let me just ask you, how many of you already have Christmas decorations set up in your house already? Okay, so at least a quarter of you, if not maybe more. We do at my house. We already have Christmas decorations set up in my house. So I, I kind of identify with this. I remember as a kid, my mom would get out like this whole, like all this Thanksgiving decor, all this harvest decor sometime in October. And it would last, you know, through October, through the end of November, through Thanksgiving. And then it's like, boom, Thanksgiving is over. And then all the Christmas stuff comes out. But it's now like we have like a couple pumpkins out on the front porch and that's about it. We're just going straight for Christmas. And understand, you know, Thanksgiving, I understand it being overlooked a little bit, probably a little bit because of, you know, the commercialism of Christmas and, you know, retailers, you know, there's more money to be made at Christmas than there is at Thanksgiving. And so there's a lot of emphasis on Black Friday. And so a lot of people, I mean, stores now are open on Thanksgiving Day. Forget Black Friday. Now it's just like, it's Black Week, you know? We're just trying to get a jump on the competition. And so I understand that there's more focus on Christmas because of that. And I understand this also. Thanksgiving is not literally a biblical holiday, even though its roots come from Christian values. Its roots are, are rooted in Christian values. And Thanksgiving has been, been celebrated for decades before the first American Thanksgiving. I mean, the English reformers, the early English reformers were celebrating regularly these Thanksgiving days decades before 1621 when we had our first American Thanksgiving. But it's just kind of like, I feel like we need to maximize on this holiday that we have and bring our focus to the Lord and say, God, I'm thankful. I've got to, I want to come to you with a thankful heart, with a, with a heart full of gratitude. And, and so I think it's important. The, the biblical term for that is, is Selah where you pause and you reflect. And I think that's what I want this Thanksgiving to be for me and me, for my family. I want it to be a Selah moment where we, we don't just get caught up in all the activity, but we actually take time to pause and reflect and give thanks to God. I want to live with an attitude of gratitude. You know, the, I've said this before, and many of you have probably heard me say this, and I'll say it again. Some of the most happiest people that I, have, that I know in my entire life are the ones who are the most generous and they're the ones who are filled with the most gratitude. And th- those two things are often synonymous. I don't know really generous people that aren't grateful people. And I don't know really any grateful people that aren't generous people. And it's not about 
how much resources you have to be generous with, or it's not about how many resources you have to be grateful for. That's not really, it's not about the amount. It's about whatever it is that you have, you're grateful for it, and you're also generous with it. That's what I want to be. That's what I want for my family. That's what I want for this church. That's what I want for this community, that we live with an attitude of gratitude and that God can do something in us and that we would be the most joyful people, the most joy-filled people in Middle Tennessee because we're grateful to God for what he's done and we are generous with what he's given to us. Like I said, you know, um, I don't wanna just be caught up in the activity of this holiday. And I remember, you know, as a kid, I remember Thanksgiving and as now an adult, I've got my own family and I'm thinking about all this activity that surrounds Thanksgiving, you know? And I think about the extra days off, you know, you get an extra two or three days off depending on what your work schedule and work demand is like. And you look forward to that. And, you know, you look forward to, you know, getting in the car and driving to grandma's house or driving to some other family member's house or maybe you're the host and you're hosting everybody at your house. And it's exciting to get to, you know, gather with extended family. And I look forward to throwing the football in the backyard with my son and his cousins. I look forward to getting out the guitar and playing with with my cousin and my uncles. And everybody ends up in the living room and we're singing songs and having a good time. I look forward to all of that. Of course, I look forward to the feast, right? The feast, um, we had a Friendsgiving last night over a friend's house and we, we had a feast left there and it was belly full of turkey already and we're just getting the week kicked off. And you know, you, you get into this food coma by the end of the day and you're just, you're sitting and you're watching football on TV and you're in that food coma and you pass out. And I look forward to that. <laughs> it's part of Thanksgiving, you know? And then for the next week, you have all the leftovers and you have turkey sandwiches and turkey souffle and turkey casserole and turkey burgers and you, then you eventually sprout feathers, right? But it's easy to take for granted all of, of, all of this and especially for me, I think, because my family, for the most part, we get along. You know, for the most part, we have a good time with each other. So it's easy for me to take for granted, like we saw this guy in this video earlier, he's taking all these basic things for granted, and I think it's easy for me to do that. But don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that there's never any tension at Thanksgiving in my family or any other family gathering. Sometimes there's tension, and I know for for some of you, what I just described, it might sound like the perfect Norman Rockwell, you know, picturesque painting of Thanksgiving. And maybe for some of you, Thanksgiving... I don't know, maybe it's a reminder of how dysfunctional your family has been. <laughs> I'm seeing that some, some of you are identifying with this. <laughs> um, instead of throwing the football in the backyard, maybe insults are being hurled across the table, whether like passive aggressively or maybe just blatantly, I don't know. Um, maybe it's like, well, I'm not going to Thanksgiving because so-and-so's hosting or I'm not going to Thanksgiving if, if they're gonna be there. I know there's pain associated for some of us. There's pain associated with Thanksgiving and the holiday season. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if it didn't have to be that way? What if the pain could pass? What if the hurts could be healed? 
What if instead of insults being hurled, what if love and respect could be shared? And you might say, well, J.D., you don't understand. You don't understand how difficult my sister is. (laughs) J.D., you don't understand the kind of pain that my dad has caused me or the rest of our family. J.D., you don't understand how vindictive my aunt can be. And you know what? I, I, I say I get it. I, I do, I think I take for granted. Maybe my, my family's not a perfect family, but it's pretty good. But I do get it. I do understand. Jamie's side of the family's not as perfect as mine. So when we go to her Thanksgivings, <laughs> I get to be part of that, their dysfunction. But I get it. And you think, well, the pain can't pass. The hurt can't be healed. But I'm telling you, listen, it doesn't have to be that way. I understand that some of our family members, or maybe you are the one that's guilty of leaving a wake of destruction. Maybe it's you, but surely not. It's surely another family member that has (laughs) left a wake of destruction in their path. But I want to tell you this, what I'm talking about, the pain passing and the hurt being healed, I think that has less to do with them and it has more to do with you. Why is that? Because you have no ability to control or change your family. You have no power. You have no ability to do that. I have no ability, no control to change Jamie's family. But what I do have the ability to do is sow seed. I can sow seed and I can water the seeds that have already been sown. The question that I think we need to ask ourselves today as we're going into this Thanksgiving week, as we're going into having to sit across the table from people that we may or may not be easy to love, even though they're blood family, The question I think that we need to ask ourselves is, what experience am I committed to cause? What seed am I going to sow into their life? Am I committed to cause the experience of resentment and pain and bitterness and disdain and hatred or maybe even indifference? I was talking, I was listening to a counselor talk a few months ago, and he said that, you know, indifference is like the highest form of hatred. (laughs) It was kind of like a punch to my stomach when he said that. I really had to check myself as I was viewing some of my relationships in my life, viewing some of the people in my life, people that have hurt me and thinking, how do I feel about them now? Am I indifferent toward them? Just had a real gut check time there. So are you committed to causing those kinds of experiences this week at Thanksgiving? Or are you committed to cause the experience of love? Are you committed to causing the experience of respect? 
Are you committed to cause the experience of joy? Again, this has so much less to do with the people you're sitting across the table from, and it has everything to do with who's sitting in your seat right now. You know, God, so thankful to him for who he is and what he's done. He was committed to causing the experience of love in my life. We all know this passage probably. Even people who aren't believers or Christians, they know the passage because it's at all the football games. Somebody's holding up the sign, John three sixteen, For God... So loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then verse 17 says, for God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but that the world would be saved through him. God sowed the seed of love in my life. He sowed the seed of love in your life. He was committed to cause the experience of love. And First John has a lot to say about this. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the letters of John towards the end of the New Testament, they have a lot to say about what God is, who he is, what he's done, and then how we are to respond as far as sowing the seed of love, being committed to cause the experience of love. Let me tell you something here about the letters of John. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John pretty much were all written as damage control. You've got the elder John, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And here's what's going on. He, he's, again, he's writing this as a letter of, of like encouragement and correction, but it's really like, this is, like I said, it's damage control. And what's happening is, in the church in Ephesus, in these home churches, there's this contingency of people who have left the church, and they begin to say, you know what? Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is not the Son of God. And not only are they saying this, and they've left the church, but it doesn't stop there. They are now continuing to try to stir up hostility in the church. And so, so John calls them out and he says, hey, these people are, if they're saying that Jesus is not the Messiah and Jesus is, the, is not the son of God, number one, they're false prophets. In, John, in 2 John, he calls them deceivers. And then he says, don't support them. Do not validate them. Keep them out of the church. Do not allow them to stir up hostility in the church. And then in contrast to that, John says this, now love one another because God is love and he's shown so much love to you. Now our response is to love each other. As a matter of fact, I believe in 3 John, John says this, he goes, the world, the false prophets, the deceivers, the rest of the world, they're going to know that you belong to Christ by the way that you love each other. So what Paul does in this letter, or excuse me, not Paul, but John, what John does in these letters, he first brings attention and focus to who God is. He goes, listen, church, listen, church in Ephesus, God is light and God is love. And especially in 1 John, he doesn't do this like normal, like linear thinking of writing, like point A, point B, point C, we got it, go home. He keeps talking in circles in this, 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 this Hebrew poetic style of writing that he just keeps saying the same thing over and over again in slightly different ways so that we would get it, so that we would understand. 
that God is love and that he has shown us great love and then what our response is. So number one thing that he wants us to get our eyes and get our focus on is that who God is and what he has done. And church, if that's anything that we need to do, if there's anything in order that we need to do at the very top of the list, it's put our eyes and our attention and our focus on God, not on our circumstances, not on the wake of destruction left by our family members, not the pain and the hurt and the rejection, not the mistakes that we've even made, but putting our attention and our focus on God of who he is, that he is love and he has shown that love to us. That's where we need to have our attention and our focus. Then John, again, he points out that what the false prophets, what the deceivers are doing, the people that have left the church and they're stirring up hostility. He says, you know, again, don't support them, don't validate them. And then he brings it back around. He says, God is love and here's what you need to do. And another thing is that he's trying to say this, that Jesus was God in the flesh. Because that was the main thing that was going on. That was the main point of contention here is that people were saying, oh, Jesus isn't God. And I'm telling you what, if there's anything that's happening in our culture today, and even in many sects of the Christian church, we're saying, well, Jesus is one way to God. But I'm telling you, that's not what we see from the truth of the scripture. That's not what the Holy Spirit bears witness in our heart. There's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Good. I'm going to a church that believes in the truth. <laughs> and then the other thing that John points out is that we have fellowship with God. Now, fellowship is a church word, Right? I mean, do you use the word fellowship in your everyday vocabulary? I, I mean, do you use that a lot at your reports at work? <laughs> Not a lot of us do that. It's, it's, a, it's mostly a church word. And we usually associate fellowship with, the, with coffee and donuts or food of some kind, right? But the word fellowship that, that John uses here, it's a, it's a Greek word called koinonia. And it means so much more than just hanging out and drinking pumpkin spice lattes. It's so much greater than that. What he's saying is that we are invited into fellowship with God. We are invited into participation with God. Participators. Well, participators in what? Participators in his light and in his love of who he is and what he's done. Amen? We're not bystanders. We're not spectators. We are participators. We are players in the game. What game? The game of God's life and God's love. And I feel like this is a timely thing to be reminded of as we go into this week of Thanksgiving and we're sitting across the table from people who aren't so easy to love sometimes or who maybe we've been avoiding. We've not been texting or calling or not returning texts and calls and maybe we've even unfollowed on social media or unfriended and or maybe they've done those things to us for whatever reason but we have this opportunity and we have this question to say what experience am I committed to cause because God was experienced to commit or God was committed to cause the experience of love in my life that has empowered me and enabled me to cause the experience of love in my family's life.
or in someone else's life. Maybe this is not relevant so much to your family, but maybe this is relevant to someone that you work with. Maybe it's relevant to your kid's teacher. Maybe it's relevant to a business relationship of some kind, partnership. I wanna do this. I wanna close today doing a couple things. I want us to actually read through this portion of scripture. And I know when we usually read scripture in church, or at least in some churches, we like to hit the highlights. But I wanna read a big chunk. I wanna read a big section here. And as we read, I don't want you to just hear me read the words. I want us to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right there where you sit in your seat. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you as we read this right now? First John chapter four, verse seven. He says, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. Why? Because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Can someone say praise God for that? Verse 11, my dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. You know what he's saying here? He's saying we cannot see God, the person of God with our physical eyes, but we can see God at work in our love between one another. We can see God in the way that we love each other. Perfect love. You're like, for real? Perfect love? Yes. Verse 13, this is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. See, this is not about you trying or you trying to muster up the power or you trying to get the willpower. This is tapping into supernatural ability and power that's available to you through the power of the Holy Spirit because God has already done it in your life. And it's you coming into submission and surrendering to that. There is a crucifixion of the flesh that happens, but it's the power of God at work in you. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to stay openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. I like this, this part right here. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. First of all, I think about me. I think, yes, thank God, I identify with that. That's me, I've confessed that Jesus is God's son. Thank God, God has invited me to fellowship with him and participate continuously in an intimate relationship with him. Thank God, but that also means, are there people in your family that have done the same? Maybe you are not getting along with them, but maybe their confession is that Jesus is Lord, that he's the son of God. 
So that means that maybe you ought to treat them like they are a son of God or like they are a daughter of God. Ooh, it got quiet in here. We know it so well. We've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. Verse 17. God is love. As if you didn't get that already from what he was saying. (laughs) When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house. It becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Ooh, this is heavy stuff. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. Praise God. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. I just want to tell you today, if you have fear in your life, it's not just about getting courage It's about going to God and asking God for a revelation of his love for you. Or maybe you need to ask God for a revelation of his love for someone else that you need help loving. And you say, God, I need to see this person the way that you see them. I think if you really get that understanding, that revelation of the love that God has poured out on you, it really helps you empathize and helps you be compassionate toward others. I think the people that are the harshest, the meanest, the ugliest, and I'm talking about Christians, some of them, not in this church, praise God, (laughs) but there are some people in the, the church that are so mean and ugly, I think to myself, you don't have a revelation of what God has done for you. You don't have a revelation of his love for you. So we go, God, Give me a revelation. Give me greater understanding. Open up my eyes to see what you've truly done for me. Verse 19. We, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First, we were loved. Now, we love. He loved us first. Something I think we have to remind ourselves of. Because then there's no room for self-righteousness. There's no room for, oh God, look at me. Look how, God, look at me loving you. (laughs) Are I awesome at the way I love you? Give me a break. Come on. He loved you first when you weren't anything. 20, verse 20. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother and sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. I didn't say it. John said it. It's in the Bible. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. And then if we go over to chapter five, it says every person who believes that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah is God begotten. What does that mean? It means they are born of God. If you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you're born of God. If we love the one who conceives the child, we will surely love the child who was conceived. What a great picture. I love my wife because I love my wife. I love my children. The reality test on whether or not we love God's children is this. This is the litmus test. 
Do we love God? Do we keep his commands? The proof that we love God comes when we keep his commandments and they are not at all troublesome. Verse four, every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways, amen? The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. What's the point? The point is who God is. He's love. The point is what did he do? He caused the experience of love in our life. He did a work in us. What is our response? That we are thankful. That we are grateful. And now that we are generous with what God has done in our lives. It's not something for us to hoard. It's not something for us to stock up. It's something that flows through us. He wants to continue that work in us and through us. God's power is at work within us is like a conduit. Like we are to be conduits, not caps. You know, when we first moved into the house that we're living in now, we've been there for almost three years. And... um, We moved in in February, and then as the months got warmer, closer to the summertime, we began smelling an odor in the house. It was a foul odor. It was like a sewage odor. And we're like, where in the world is this coming from? This is ungodly. Did something die inside the wall? And honestly, that's what we thought happened at first. We thought, well, like a rat or not a rat, but a mouse got trapped in the wall somewhere. This has happened before in other houses I've lived in. Mice, they die somewhere and then they decompose and you have to deal with it for like two weeks, you know? And you don't know where it is. But this kept going on and it kept going on and it kept going on and it was embarrassing when people came over to the house and you open the door and you have the candle and you have like the, you have the, the doTERRA diffuser diffusing things into the air and you're trying to cover it up but you're still like, oh, it smells good or, or kind of weird. And we're like, where's this coming from? And we finally located the area that we thought it was coming from. And we figured, man, it's got to be, I mean, we were like, like where, where's, it? I mean, we, we went through a lot of stuff. We had people over the house. I had a, a house contractor over to try, help me try to figure it out. I had in, hired a reputable plumbing company that the governor owns. <laughs> and I had them come out and look and try, and those guys, bless their heart, were zero help to me. At least I didn't have to pay them for no help. And, uh, but finally I got, I figured it out and got it located and I cut into the drywall, and I found this pipe, this big, huge, like, three-inch pipe of PVC coming up out of the slab, and there was this, this cap on it, but it was like this super thin PVC cap, like you use in, like, construction, and apparently something in the process had cracked the cap, and it was big, a big hole in it, and then no one thought to, oh, we need to replace this before we actually throw drywall up over this. And so there was sewage smell when the sewer would get hot in the summertime, it would back up that gas and it would come in through the house. So we're having that sewage gas come up through the house. It's like, I need a cap. (laughs) So I went to Lowe's and I got a cap. 
and did not let that stuff flow through my house anymore, praise God. I liquid nails that thing down on there. And I, got, I did not get the little thin temporary cap with the PVC that was like that thin. I got the super thick mill thing that you're gonna have to destroy the thing to get that thing off of there. And you know what? And it fixed it. Cap didn't allow anything to flow through it anymore. And thank God for that in that situation. But when it comes to the love of God, I don't want the cap in my life. I don't wanna be a cap. I wanna be a conduit. I wanna be a clear pipe with nothing blocking. I need spiritual Drano flowing through my life all the time so I can get God's love from heaven to earth, from heaven to the people across sitting for me at the Thanksgiving table. I wanna be a conduit, not a cap. God's power is at work to love the people across the table from you, to love the people you work with, to love your family, to love the people that you go to school with, to love the people that you're in the grocery store with, to love the world around you. Let's be thankful. Let's be full of gratitude for God's love in our lives. I wanna do this. Get your phone out right now. I was gonna do this on paper, but I thought, man, we're so digital these days. This just is probably gonna be more impactful if we do this. And I want you to go into your calendar and I want you to look at the next few days in your calendar. You can be later today. And, I, and, and actually, I'd love for you to do this for every day in your calendar from now up into Thanksgiving Day. And I want you to think about somebody, maybe in your family, let's start there, let's start in your family. But if you or need to expand beyond your family, that's totally fine. But I want you to think about somebody in your family that you need to be a conduit to this week, and I want you to write their name down and put it as a, as a reminder somewhere in your calendar on that day, today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And it can be the same person, it can be multiple people, it can be different people, but I want you to put their name down there, and I want you to set an alarm, set in a reminder, so when that little reminder beeps at you later today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, it's gonna remind you to pray, God, do a work in me. Let me be a conduit to them. Let me be a conduit to them, not a cap. It's gonna take you just a minute to do this. So what we're gonna do is we've got a video I wanna play for you as you take time and you reflect and do this. Let's, let's play this uh, video here and listen to the words of the song and allow the Holy Spirit to help us set up our week as we pray for those in our family or others that we need to be conduit to. Let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one, the one in whom you love and gave yourself for humanity. Increase my love. Help me to love with open arms. Like you do A love that erases all the light And sees the truth Oh, that when they look in my eyes They would see you Even in just a smile They would feel the 
father's love Cause oh how you love us From the homeless to the famous and in between Cause you formed us, you made us carefully Cause in the end, we're all your children So help me to love with open arms like you do A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. So let all my life tell of who you are and the wonder of your never ending love. Oh, let all my life tell. You're wonderful and such a good father. Oh, let all my life tell you love. And the wonder of you never ending love. Oh, let all my life tell Such a good father You are wonderful And such a good father So help me to love With open arms Like you do A love that erases All the lines And sees the truth Oh, that when they look Even in just a smile, they will feel the Father's love. Even in just a smile, they will feel the Father's love. Would you just bow your heads right where you are? God, would you help us? God, just help us see the world the way that you see it. Help us see our family members the way that you see them. Lord, as we watch this video, we see this drone flying over our city. And God, I believe that as your spirit hovers here, that it looks down here upon our city and it sees hearts on every car, on every person, on every place. Because your love, your love for our city, your love for people is so great. And so our hearts cry this morning, our hearts cry as we enter into this Thanksgiving week, is that we would see people the way you see them. That we would be moved with compassion We'd be moved with compassion for the lost. 
but also for the one sitting right in front of us. That we would be moved with compassion for our spouse, that we'd be moved with compassion for our children, for our parents, for our grandparents, our aunts and uncles. So we open our hearts today, we open our lives to you, and we say, God, let me be a conduit of your love. Would you flow through me? Let me be your hands. Let me be your feet. Let me be a carrier of your presence. That when people encounter me, they encounter your love. They encounter your presence. So God, I pray for my friends, my family members in this room here right now this morning, that you would grant them courage, that you would grant them bravery, to portray your love in a way like they never have this week. Those that are shy, that there will be a boldness about you this week. That you will be reminded who you are. You will be reminded that you are a son, you are a daughter of the King, and those that you come in contact with are children of God. And He loves them, and He asks us to do the same. Let them know that we are Christ followers by the way we love. God, we are truly thankful for you. We're thankful that you sent your son, Jesus. We are thankful for you. And Jesus, we're thank you. so thankful that when you left this earth, you said that you would send another. And so we are thankful, Holy Spirit, for you. Let us go into this week bearing your images and reminding ourselves how good you are. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you, Spirit of the living God. We say all of this in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving, Seeds Church. We love you all. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.